0: Welcome to Matters and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins.
1: And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we'll be going over Twin Peaks episode six. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Just jump in with our first impressions. Or do you want to check in and see how we're all doing?
1: think <laughs> can <laughs> um, do a quick check in. How are how are you doing?
0: <laughs> um Well, uh, I feel like last week time turned into like a weird plasma substance so that it was going both simultaneously really fast and really slow at the same time. So that's about where I am mentally.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I think for me, time has only the only time that matters is like once it's going to be over. Like I feel like days and months and anything else doesn't matter. Holidays. (laughs) I feel like the only thing that everyone's like concerned with is when it's over. Yeah.
0: I mean, it seems like people are going out and about, but I'm not quite ready for that yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, we have seen too much of that, especially today. It was I dropped off a, a bag at my mom's of stuff and just seeing people out and doing whatever, I guess, without mask on. It's just crazy.
0: Yeah, I, I'm i not ready to get weighed back into that yet. So um...
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> but um should we go into our first impressions
0: yeah let's do first impressions
2: well why okay. don't you start
1: okay um I love this episode I thought it was the most 80s-esque episode like 80s <laughs> slash early 90s just like all the sound effects and the like super soapy Vaseline on the camera kind of thing and <laughs> I, I loved it. I thought it, was, it had a lot of stuff to go over, a lot of, like, new revelations and lots of new plans starting to take place, and I loved it.
0: Yeah. I really liked this episode, too. I um obviously can't remember my first first impression, but my first impression for watching it for the podcast, um I think I watched it, like, three times, and each time I was finding new things to be like, oh, that's so awesome. Oh, my God. That's pretty awesome. And so... Yeah. I guess as we'll go through it, we can talk about it. But um, yeah, this one was definitely a highlight. I mean, I would say it's maybe one of my favorite episodes so far, which is kind of crazy (laughs) because it also was a little bit set but it really worked, I feel like, a lot better than the last one did.
1: Yeah, well, what I think is, like, really great about the setup of this episode, like, all the things they're setting up, it's like, it's not just saying, like, all right, tune in next week to see what this – like what happens? Like it's like they're giving you like kind of half of it, and they're saying, "All right, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna get the rest of it
2: at yeah. the end." Yeah,
0: because to be fair, it did pay off a lot of stuff too. So it had a, bit, yes. a lot of stuff going on. All right, well, um, let's get into some notes because I got some fun ones for this
1: one. Can't wait.
2: <laughs>
0: All right, so. Episode six, titled <laughs> episode
2: five.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to let it go. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> because I'm watching it also on the DVDs, and they're actually labeled episode one, two, like the actual, like right. this one is five. Um, but the other title that it's known as is Cooper's Dreams. I found out uh, that man. these titles were from when it was released on Bravo on, mm-hmm. like, on TV.
1: Oh, really? On so, Bravo? Uh,
0: a re-release on Bravo
1: what an interesting switch <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> so this one was written by Mark Frost okay um, it was his first solo writing credit for the series directed by Leslie Linka Glatter have you heard of her I always want to say like Link Ladder or something but it's Linka Glatter
2: <laughs> Linka Glatter um, <laughs>
0: Yeah, she's done a ton of stuff. And I was so impressed with the directing in this episode. And so kind of thrilled that, you know, out of six episodes, of course, we've had three directed by David Lynch. No, two. Two or three directed by David Lynch.
1: Um, (laughs) And at
0: least two of the other ones have been by women directors. So, I mean, it just makes me a little happy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because you wouldn't think that would be, like, super typical at the time.
0: No, definitely not. Okay, so... The director, Leslie Link, Linka Glatter, noted that the episode <laughs> exempl- <laughs> it exemplifies the themes of longing and desire, which she felt characterized the series. She also called attention to the balance between the tragic and the comic elements, which that um, scene up near the end with Leland and Audrey. And mm-hmm. it was just like, yes, I could see exactly where you're coming from with the... You know, tragic and comic. Yeah. Uh, She would go on to direct three more episodes in the second season.
2: Ooh, yay.
0: (laughs) She praised uh, McLaughlin's, or McLaughlin, saying he fully embraced and explored the character of Cooper, with a devotion to both the character's comedic elements as well as his dramatic side. We've also, I think in the past, heard tales of the crew, like, really thinking his comedic choices were really funny, so... (laughs) I like to hear all the different
2: sides.
0: Yeah. She also, oh no, no. She she said, maybe I was thinking of this, but she said that the crew had trouble completing takes featuring Cooper because they would always laugh at his comic delivery. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like it's like the best compliment.
0: I know. (laughs) She also claims that Although some of the directors on the series emphasized the Audrey Cooper relationship, there was never any intention to bring the characters together as a couple. And I just think it's so funny. Each week we get a different director who's got a different take on Audrey and Cooper and whether they were right. ever gonna be together.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> they had a like a little moment in this episode, so um well a couple little moments. I would so say I'm surprised. A, a, couple.
1: <laughs> a couple very intimate moments.
0: Yeah. Um, Gladder also praised Eric DeRay's performance as Leo since his real life personality was so lovable and sweet. <laughs>
1: uh, i said that's not what we get from Leo, so...
0: No, he really pulls off the menace.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, through the series, uh, the opening shots of the Great Northern often feature a convention of some sort going on, and, um... Even though it seems like the convention is the Icelandic businessmen, what I was reading said that this one featured the American Indian movement members. So I'm wondering, because there were some Native American men all sitting behind Cooper at the breakfast table.
2: That's true. So maybe that was
0: it. Yeah. So I guess there's a couple of conventions going on. Um, let's see what else. Uh, the shots in the woods were filmed in Angeles national forest, which blended well with the Washington landscape that had been filmed previously to provide stock footage for the series. Huh. Yeah. I probably, I kind of could notice just because I knew it going in, but if I had, I mean, I've never thought before these woods look different.
1: <laughs> yeah. I would say they kind of looked the same to me. So I didn't notice it.
0: Yeah. So this episode was released on May 10th, 1990 and was viewed by 11.5% of U S households. Okay. And then the log lady intro. You don't get to watch this anymore, don't, right?
1: I, I don't, they don't, they're not on Hulu. So,
0: <laughs> well, I wrote down the whole thing. So
1: <laughs> Yay! I do, I do want to hear it.
0: She says, I play my part on life's stage. I tell what I can or can't. I couldn't tell what she was saying. If she said, I tell what I can, or if I tell what I can't, I think it's (laughs) can. I tell what I can (laughs) to form the perfect answer, but that answer cannot come until all are ready to hear. So I tell what I can to form the perfect answer. Sometimes my anger at the fire is evident. (laughs) I wrote, I noticed. (laughs) Because she seems very irritated sometimes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like when they were two days late.
0: <laughs> okay, and then she goes on to say sometimes it is not anger, really. It may appear as such, but could it be a clue? The fire I speak of is not a kind fire.
2: Mm, Lots well, of fire metaphors
0: in this one. Yep, okay, so on to the recap.
1: Yes.
2: All right. <laughs>
0: I'm drinking wine tonight. <laughs>
1: um, cold
0: brew. <laughs> we got the opposite effects going on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Downwards and uppers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we open on a red full moon. We hear some chanting slash singing going on. <laughs> <laughs> it wakes up Cooper, who's annoyed, and complains to Diane in his tape recorder. He wants her to send him some silicone earplugs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like I'm the ones in just... New York.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised he doesn't just keep some in his travel kit. The waitress, uh, he goes down for breakfast, the waitress, the same one from the previous episodes, um, explains that the singing is an Icelandic business group. I tried to look up that waitress, by the way, because I feel like Uh she appears later in the episode, but we'll get to that later, but I couldn't figure out who she was. Um, yeah. And we can also see the American Indian group behind him, I believe.
2: Right,
1: right.
0: Okay. So Audrey slinks in and <laughs> sits with Cooper.
1: <laughs>
0: Slink being the key word there.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: she mentions she mentions her new job, but doesn't get a chance to tell the details because Cooper has got to go. And then he asks her how <laughs> old she is.
1: <laughs> oh God.
0: And she says 18 and he says, See you later, Audrey, and with just such a tone that I'm like, I can't read you at all. I wonder what Audrey thinks of that.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it seems like so, like, flirty and, but also made me uncomfortable because she's still in school and I'm like, Ugh, the 90s were weird. <laughs> well, I just don't know.
0: Cooper, it, it does seem a little flirty from Cooper, but it also seems really deadpan, so it's hard
1: to yeah, really... Because- He's just, I think he's just got, like, a baseline, like, flirty tone, because sometimes, like, when he's talking to, like, anybody else, like, even, like, Hawk or uh, the sheriff, like, it just seems that way. And I'm like, huh, maybe he's just flirty with everyone. That's just what he likes to do.
0: It's just his natural exuberance.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he's got a natural charisma. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, so uh, Jerry comes in. He's been celebrating with the Icelanders. Ben is also (laughs) becoming annoyed by their loudness. You know, they've had a lot of complaints. Jerry says that he's in love, and I said, what is he wearing? (laughs) Did you see the shirt he was wearing? (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, I liked the whole, like, the button configuration, but it was also, like, 40 feet long. (laughs) It went, like, (laughs) almost to the floor. It had the weirdest little...
0: Dot line things going
2: on.
1: <laughs> yeah, I liked that. I like the pattern of it. I just, it was very much like if a tunic had a tunic on it. Like it tunic on tunic on tunic.
0: <laughs> it feels yeah. like a lot of the the fashion in the show kind of tries to harken back to the 50s, but sometimes there's stuff that's so 90s in there that it's like,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, sorry, you can't be timeless with that shirt.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs>
0: So Ben is planning a gala for tonight, um, and is contemplating bringing them to One-Eyed Jacks, the Icelanders. Mm. And then Leland shows up in, I think, his pajamas? Well, at least a robe, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, every time Leland enters a room, he's like, his facial expressions are always so, like, commanding in a way to me that I never really notice anything else because I'm like what's going to happen?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean he's he's very upset. Um, ben you know, basically is like you need to go home and
1: yeah. leave us alone. Get away from here.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we, Harry and his crew are still investigating Jacques' apartment. Harry and Andy <laughs> this is so funny. Cooper walks in and Harry gives Andy the secret secret symbol for donut which is just like a circle
1: <laughs> he does it
0: twice like i'm not gonna say any words but you know what this means donut him
1: you. <laughs> it's an emergency
0: i'm gonna start using that and be like christian donut
1: donut <laughs> <laughs> i'll send a box i did um in my head when we got to the apartment and sell donuts in my head i screamed the donuts are back
2: yeah me like, too really had
1: We only had one episode without donuts and it was noticeable.
0: Yeah, it kind of put a damper on the whole thing. (laughs) 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 Okay, so there's a lot of other cops there who are all doing forensics, I presume. Uh, No sign of Bernie, they say. Of course, I was like, well, I know where he is, he's dead. (laughs) 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 The blood from Leo's shirt is not Laura's, but Jacques'. I think it's AB negative. Yes. Um, Yeah, and this is the episode where Doc Hayward starts becoming real impressed by Cooper's deductive skills. Like, everyone else has already kind of seen them in action, but Doc Hayward is really witnessing them in this episode. (laughs) He's
1: just, like, always in awe, like, stumbling in the background.
0: How did you know it wasn't Laura's blood? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Cooper investigates the ceiling and finds a copy of Flesh World.
1: Which I can't tell, what? but it looks like there's a giant penis on the cover. <laughs> I, oh, I didn't even... Look. <laughs> I hate that name, Flesh World. Ugh. Yeah. The word flesh. <laughs>
0: so Cooper deduces that Jacques was kind of the pimp slash go-between for Ronette and the, um, you know, whoever's writing into Flesh World.
1: The writers.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they find a letter with a photo of a man with a beard and a mullet in a fancy blue nightgown. It's really the mullet (laughs) that just seals the deal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I'm like, oh, this is what you like, Reddit. Okay.
1: (laughs) I (laughs) say it's very interesting, very atypical and like subtle queerness.
0: Yeah. We also noticed that Leo Johnson's truck is on that page. Uh-huh. So, but then we go to um, Bobby or Shelly's house. Bobby and Shelly are eating breakfast. <laughs> they pretend to be badasses. As if Leo <laughs> were to walk in, what they would do. And then they hear a car door and freak out immediately. <laughs> so funny.
2: <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's Andy
0: and Bobby hides. And Shelly plays her part, setting up Leo. And uh, once good. they leave, I said these two cannot keep their hands off each other since they start making out yeah, again <laughs> well, she's
1: she's supposed to be 21 right
0: no I mean that's what the birthday said but I think she's supposed to be the same age as Bobby and the rest of them like 18
1: oh okay
0: yeah at least according to the stuff I was reading last week
1: right okay I because they just seem like so like it's like the most like Teenage, <laughs> like all oh my God. over each other.
0: You have to remind me when we get to the um to the deep dive. I totally forgot I have those trading cards. I didn't even remember that I had oh. <laughs> them. I'm gonna like go get them out when we get to the deep dive so I can look at it. But, but um, yeah. yeah, I was actually looking through them, and whoever made them first of all had an obsession with Gemini and Virgo. Every like half of the peep cards are all Gemini and Virgos, and I'm like, what is? <laughs> that's so weird.
1: <laughs> is that like some adding to the whole mystical element of peeps? Peaks?
0: Mm, I, I, don't <laughs> I don't see how. I don't see
1: how. It was like I don't know.
0: Gemini's and Virgos are like not specifically. I do not know if they else. were
1: like connected or any sort of planetary stuff. I'm really bad at stuff like that, astrological.
0: They're all um mutable signs, but other than that, I'm not sure. <laughs>
2: huh. well, I okay,
1: can't wait. where
0: was I? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Leo calls. they're they're making out. Leo calls. Shelly pretends that everything is fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then we're at Big Ed's. Norma stops by. She has to tell Ed that Hank got his parole. Neither of them has told their respective partners that they want a divorce. Ed is worried about Nadine. He says that she's not well. And Norma says, they never take what they want because they never want to hurt anyone else. And then Norma <laughs> says, don't call her for a while, but she still loves him.
1: <laughs> I say, say they say, Ed probably hasn't asked for a divorce because he's worried about her, but probably mostly worried about what she might do to him after seeing her bend that machine all the way back. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think don't both of them are us. waiting for the other one because they don't want to be the one, the first right. one to do it. So they're both going to be waiting for a really long time. Seriously. Okay, so then we're at Horn's Department Store. This was a great scene.
2: Yes, uh, the scene.
0: Audrey is talking to her new boss, Emery Battis. I think it's his name. He wants to put her in the wrapping department. <laughs> And she, says <laughs> she
1: said no. <laughs>
0: she wants sales, specifically perfume. He's very reluctant about that. And she tells Emery she'll get what she wants or she'll basically get him into trouble by ripping off her clothes <laughs> and <laughs> accusing <That's> him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and by the end of the conversation, he's calling her Miss Horn. <laughs> so I guess the power <laughs> shifted in that relationship. I was wondering. Okay, she, did she, oh, go ahead.
1: I was gonna say that that's something that she definitely inherited from her father. <laughs> that like <laughs> commanding, like you will respect me.
0: Yeah, but I was wondering, where did she learn, like, to use her sexuality as her weapon of choice? Do You think it's just like having dad's business partners oogle her all the time as a kid?
1: Probably, and I mean, I. I guess we don't really ever get into what her, like, school life is like, do we?
2: Not Not really. really.
1: Because I wonder if, because she's, like, obviously she's, like, one of the most, if not the most, like, beautiful person in this cast. And I wonder if maybe during her schooling, like, just dealing with, like, you know, gross boys trying to, like, be gross to her. I'm sure she learned her ways of... Just <laughs> manipulating them, and because they're stupid.
0: Well, I know how she learned how to use the little girl manipulation, but like, just like the yeah. whole sexual overtones. I'm like, hmm. I'm I'm just curious. We'll we'll see if I that. Mean, um...
1: Yeah, I would say like I mean, it seems like all, especially in that town, knowing about One Eye Jacks and Laura and Ronette. I mean, seems like they all had access somehow to a more advanced sexual identity than most i would say 18 year olds maybe
0: that's true although we do find out some stuff about audrey which makes me think that she's not really all that experienced sexually so it's more like just a weapon for her so anyway we'll have to keep our eye on that and see if we get any more insight into her
2: Mm -hmm.
0: okay so after that scene um donna uh, meets james at the gazebo And James is, like, (laughs) all about clean slates in this episode. He's telling his whole, all his sad tales to Donna. He admits that his dad isn't dead, like he said he was. Um, He's just ran off at some point. His mom is an alcoholic. And she travels around getting drunk and picking up guys, which I don't know, does that mean she's a prostitute? Or a sex worker of some sort?
1: I don't know, like, because it almost sounds like because he never said it, that she got paid for it like that's not he never like insinuated that's how she made her living i wonder yeah. if maybe it's it's just like him trying to say that she's an alcoholic and uh like and also uses like sex as an, like a sex addict basically
0: maybe maybe it's a sex addict thing
1: because then she's supposed to be a journalist allegedly no
0: he said that she wrote short stories and poems
1: oh i don't know where i got journalists from. <laughs>
0: Well, because he says she traveled around it was a writer, so it's that's uh, like it's like a journalist, but no, yeah, so he's basically saying he doesn't want any secrets with her, and Donna is very understanding, and they're still determined to solve Laura's murder. and I was wondering, has James's hair always been as black as it is in this episode?
1: I don't know. I feel like it's so interest- it's so weird to see him with black hair because. <laughs> It just it just looks like it's not right. Does that make sense? It's like died. it just looks like it looks like it's so dark, and I it just doesn't it match was him. Brown,
0: the last few episodes. It yeah, it definitely looks a
1: lot darker. Because
0: hmm.
1: you could tell like the stark difference from like his skin being so pale, yeah. And then you see like this like jet black hair.
0: Yeah just so striking that you know I was like I feel like I would have noticed this. I mean I've noticed it in the past like that he has sometimes has black hair but I've never been like oh this is the episode where it turns black I don't know if <laughs> it is but this is the one where I noticed him.
1: It's just matching his dark brooding personality.
0: Yeah matching the color <laughs> of his sadness <laughs> yeah. so we're back at Jacques and uh more donuts yay Uh, Passing around a plate of donuts, but they're all still wearing their gloves. (laughs) I'm like,
1: (laughs) that's what I was gonna say. (laughs) I was like, they are sorting through evidence, touching the apartment, and then grabbing these like sticky, wet, glazed donuts with their gloves. It it drove me crazy. I was like, not good police work.
0: (laughs) No, we all know how to use gloves by this point, so we're not.
1: Although sometimes I like, when I eat a
0: donut, I wish I was wearing a glove because they can be very sticky. Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind messy foods, but I was like, I feel like we're all hyper aware of like glove culture now that <laughs> anything, <laughs> any like sort of like misuse of them were like, what are you doing? Common yeah. sense.
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that was like a funny thing. They were trying to be like, they're picking up the donuts with the gloves on, but
1: I would say it was focused on it, so...
0: Yeah. So, Cooper notices a picture of a building with red drapes in the cupboard.
1: hmm
0: And after examining the rest of the letters from the P.O. box, they figure out that Laura also had an ad in Flesh World. Ugh. I think um, Jacques ran that one as well. Yeah. So... um yeah, Cooper is definitely noticing this building. He can—it's like the red drapes are a clue from his dream, right? And they want to investigate it. And there's like a really cool low angle shot of them all standing there at the table, which I thought looked mm-hmm. really good. There's a lot of really great um, sh- directing shots in this episode.
1: Yeah, I liked. It was really good.
0: Okay, so Double R, Madeline is meeting with James and Donna. She orders a cherry coke. 'Cause she's
1: so cute. <laughs> A girl after my own heart.
0: <laughs> I know, I thought of my sister because that's her favorite. Cherry Cokes and Cherry Dr. Gets. Peppers. Ah, yes. <laughs> uh yeah. uh Lee is just so good as Maddie. She's just like so different and I mean you don't even yeah. know Laura. <laughs> I feel like I know Laura really well, and Maddie is not at all Laura.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like even though we haven't like it's not like we've met Laura really, like you could definitely tell from, like, all the descriptors we've gotten from her, like, that Maddie is, like, the more innocent one, and more naive, and, you know, yeah. <laughs> as a worldly experience. I thought, um, because the, soap, the show is so, like, soapy, and, like, so dramatic sometimes, I kind of, like, really wanted, because they look, they're played by Shirley, and they look so similar, I was, like, I really wish there was, like, some sort of twist where she was, like, a secret, like, twin sister or <laughs> oh
0: yeah i've really been laura the whole time it's maddie <laughs> she's been
1: disguise
0: yeah that would be true so they <laughs> uh, if only <laughs> so they're letting maddie in on their investigation they want her to help they want her help in finding laura's secret hiding place and maddie agrees and i was wondering if do you think that the palmers have a guest room or does maddie have to stay in laura's bedroom
1: Oh, I didn't even think about that. (laughs) And the fact that she, and the fact that she looks so much like Laura.
0: I think they probably have a guest room.
1: Yeah. Oh, I think so too. But
0: at first I was like, I wonder if she's staying in Laura's room. How creepy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think so too, because I also feel like Laura's mom would, is like, she seems like a type where she wants to like preserve it as it is and doesn't want to change a thing, you know? She wouldn't want anyone staying in there.
0: Yeah. Agreed. So... We find out that Hank was sitting at the booth behind them listening the whole time in a very creepy yep. fashion.
1: Dragging his disgusting mouth domino all over the gross <laughs> newspaper. <laughs> I was like, you're disgusting.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Michelle and Norma come in and their hair is all sprayed up and their makeup is on point. <laughs> they had their day of beauty.
1: They <laughs> like beauty queens,
0: Yeah, that we discussed the last time. Hank uh, greets Norma and is like, I want to earn my way back into your heart. And And she's uh, like, sure. (laughs) She's like, go wash some dishes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yes, please. Norma (laughs) is the best.
0: When she tells him to go wash the dishes and he's like, can I finish my coffee first, boss? The look on her face is just one of pure disgust.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She hates it so much.
0: Yeah. Meanwhile, in the kitchen, Shelley is watching Invitation to Love, our favorite. <laughs> we get to see Chester get punched by a dude in sunglasses, or maybe just slapped. I think he gets slapped around by a dude in sunglasses uh, yeah. and a bandana. And meanwhile, this other <laughs> old white-haired guy who kind of looks like a Santa Claus or something is tied up and gagged. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on there, but <laughs> we'll see some slaps in our soap.
1: Ah oh, my god, yes, I cannot wait. That wasn't my favorite scenes.
0: <laughs> okay, so then the Briggs are at family therapy with Dr. Jacoby. This is a good scene too. They're all such good scenes. Bobby yep. says he isn't doing drugs.
2: <laughs> and <laughs> Jacoby asks,
0: this Joby I I don't know, but some for some reason James is like. Or not, James. Um, Bobby is saying that he never killed anybody. Did Jacoby ask him? Did you kill some? Have you ever killed anyone, Bobby? And he says no, but my father has.
1: I think he.
2: I don't know I exactly. Think how
1: so, or maybe like, yeah, or like witnessed death or something. It was some. It was a question like that where it wasn't like you know accusatory, but it was like, have you ever? An experience of death, maybe.
0: Yeah. But we did hear James and the pilot say that Laura said that Bobby killed a guy. So.
1: <sighs> um,
0: anyway. So Bobby deflects. And yeah, he's deflecting. Says so his father has. Jacoby basically then asks to speak to Bobby alone. And he wants to know what happened the first time Laura and Bobby made love. And he asks, did you cry? then did she laugh at you? And that really gets to Bobby.
1: Seems like it might be true. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Seems like Jacoby might know a few things. I mean, he was Laura's Mm -hmm. therapist after all. Yeah. He wants to know if Bobby was sad when Laura died. And Bobby says that Laura wanted to die. Which is kind of profound. Mm -hmm. She said, people tried to be good, but they were really sick and rotten, her most of all. And every time she tried to make the world a better place, something terrible came up inside her and pulled her back down into hell and took her deeper and deeper into the blackest nightmare. And every time it got harder to come back up to the light. Laura harbored a dark secret and it made her want to break and corrupt other people. And then Bobby breaks down into tears and he says that Laura made him sell drugs so she could have them. And it's like, Ugh. this is when we really get to see another side of Bobby, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, I really felt for Bobby.
0: Yeah, maybe Just it seemed like his douchiness might have come from Laura more than anything. <laughs> I
1: was about to say, maybe it seems like, you know, he was manipulated. Yeah. Because it's, from what we've kind of gathered, it seemed like she definitely knew how to get what she wanted.
0: Yeah, it's really a cycle of abuse, you know? She was basically abusing him and he's lashing out at other people. And who was abusing her? We don't know, but anyway, yeah. So then we see a crow flying, get some interstitial mountains. I had a theory about owls and crows after watching this scene, but maybe I should okay. wait until after we go over the scene to get to it,
2: okay? Yeah, yeah, because that's where I got
0: all the clues from.
2: <laughs> so
0: the pol- <laughs> The police boys are tripping through the woods. Hawk is like, hold up. And he finds a snap twig, and he's like, this way. <laughs> <laughs> like, you could have just followed the power lines going to this yeah. cabin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this
1: is like the most ridiculous.
0: So they find a cabin. Is it the one? No, it's the log lady's cabin. She yeah. invites them in. And she serves them tea and cookies. And Hawk really wants some
2: cookies.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She says that the owls won't see them in there. And she says, shut your eyes and you'll burst into flames. Which I was like, I'm not sure what that relates to, but I love it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this whole scene was them just basically saying over, yes, ma'am. Yes, Yes. ma'am.
0: She says she's been expecting them and they're two days late. Her log <laughs> saw something significant, but tea first, and then be ready.
2: <laughs> look like...
0: She goes on to tell some of her backstory that her husband was a logging man who met the devil. Fire is the devil hiding like a coward in the smoke. So I guess we can assume that he died in a fire.
2: Ugh.
0: But he also seems to have died the day after their wedding. So tragic. Oh my God. Cooper finally asked the log what it saw that night. The night Laura was killed. And the log says, interpreted by Catherine, dark, oh wait, is her name Catherine? No, it's Margaret.
1: (laughs) That's, yeah, it's Margaret. The Catherine calls in fact.
0: Yeah. She says, dark, laughing, the owls were flying, many things were blocked, laughing, two men, two girls, Flashlights flashlights pass by in the woods over the ridge. The owls were near. The dark was pressing in on her. Quiet then. Later, footsteps. One man passes by. Screams far away. Terrible, terrible. One voice, girl, further up over the ridge. The owls were silent. All the men seem uncomfortable and shivery. (laughs) She speaks in poetry, Margaret Lanterman. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. She read it down.
0: So, they leave her. They're trekking through the woods again. Breaking down what they just learned. The girls were Laura and Ronette. The men, Leo and Jacques. Who was the third man?
2: Bob. <sighs> <Pop. laughs> they hear music.
0: <laughs> yeah. They hear music on- in the woods and follow it. And then they see a crow again. And then there's this Mm. awesome four-man shot with Cooper, Harry, Hawk, and Doc Hayward all like lined up perfectly.
2: It's such a great Mm -hmm. shot.
0: They're looking at the cabin. Then we see the crow again. And they sneak up, guns draw. I think they leave Doc Hayward outside. Yeah. Inside, there's a record player, and it's repeating the album. And that's where the music's coming from. And Cooper says, and there's always music in the air. Because that was another line from his dream.
2: Right.
0: The room is covered in red fabric, like a fire hazard covered. And they come across the mima bird, Waldo, and they find a camera with film inside, which I was like, Hawk, there's film inside it. You don't just open it like that,
2: <laughs> you're going to expose the film. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> there's blood on the floor, and a bunch of poker chips come out of a cuckoo clock.
2: Mm -hmm. we know those poker chips
0: yep we've seen them we saw one that was in laura's stomach Mm -hmm. so then we're at the great northern we see josie sitting in the dark smoking a cigarette which is like
2: creepy beginning i know
0: (laughs) you don't even know really that you're there but you figure that that looks like the great northern and it's like what's she Mm -hmm. doing this is not the josie i know Meanwhile, the gala is in full swing. The lady okay, so the lady playing the piano in this party or whatever she looks mm-hmm. just like the waitress, I think, from the beginning, but she seems oh, to have a, an accent, so I don't know if it is her or if it's even supposed to be her, but it looks like her. And I was like, "You're a waitress and a piano player." Oh my God'll
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: take. <More pay-back, dude. laughs>
0: Yeah, I did look it up. The only thing I could find, the only name that didn't match with anyone I could recognize was a Trudy. Okay. Played by Jill Ingalls. So maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I couldn't look up Jill Ingalls. I mean, I looked up Jill Ingalls, but she didn't have a picture, so I didn't know who she was. Mm. Okay, so Catherine and Pete show up and Catherine abuses him and he smiles because he loves her abuse.
1: <laughs> yes. It's a very interesting relationship.
0: Yeah. Garland Briggs is there talking about vestigial something with an Icelandic vestigial tales or something. (laughs) (laughs) Like fairy tales, not like tales. tales. (laughs) Right. So Leland comes in and he seems upset. Uh, Jerry is annoying a pretty woman. (laughs) I mean, she looks annoyed to me. She's still smiling at him, but kind of like, could you get off of me?
2: <laughs> yes. He's too close. Oh,
0: and we finally get the punchline from the joke from last week. The what joke says? was, what do you get when you cross a Norwegian with a Swede? And the punchline was a socialist who wants to be king. Uh, Not very funny, but still.
2: No. <laughs>
0: we talked about it, so I, I figured mean, we should definitely hear the punchline.
2: Yes. <laughs>
0: so Catherine comes up and pours champagne on Ben's shoe and says, hell hath no fury.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's like, go to my office, please. Mm
0: -hmm. Audrey's observing them and she sneaks through her hidden passage. She sees Catherine confronting Ben about his one-eyed Jack's poker chip. And she slaps him three times, just like in the soap.
2: (laughs) I love that scene. Yes.
0: And then they kiss passionately and uh, Catherine admits to wanting to burn down the mill and Audrey is laughing to herself. That is such a soap opera scene.
1: Yeah. Well, I what I thought was so funny was like, I was like during that whole scene, we are all Audrey watching just because <laughs> during the slapping part, she's just like laughing to herself. She finds it so <laughs> funny. And then when they like start like making out, she's like, huh. <laughs> like,
0: what happened here? <laughs> yeah. Austria is so funny. Okay. So Pete is drinking a tall mug of milk.
1: It's <laughs> like, of course, Pete is.
0: <laughs> I'm going to get milk drunk tonight. Okay. So Jerry is trying to, he's like um, talking on a microphone in front of the room, trying to sell the Icelandic folk when Pennsylvania 6, five thousand abruptly starts. And I want to know who started that music. It wasn't Leland.
1: Yeah. No, it wasn't. He was in the room already. I don't, I, know. I don't know. But obviously it was purposeful.
2: You think but so? I was like,
1: I, well, it seems like it. Because is that the same song that made him go a little dance crazy last time?
0: Yeah, but i can't think of who would start it I and mean, why would they be trying to hurt leland
1: well i don't know if they're trying to hurt leland or if they're trying to disrupt the whole icelandic deal
2: Hmm,
0: i don't know it's a mystery if you have any suggestions on who you think started that music write us in and let us know because we're curious
1: yes i want to know the purpose
0: It's the biggest mystery so far <laughs> 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 Um, Yeah, Leland starts to freak out. He starts crying and dancing by himself. And Ben and Catherine come in, and Ben insists that Catherine dance with him so as to not cause a scene. And, yeah, this this is the scene that does a really great job of threading the needle between comedy and drama. Oh, yeah. Ben is off to the side being like, I want him out of my life. And everyone else starts dancing, and they all start grabbing their (laughs) head, which makes it really funny, but then you see Leland crying, and then Audrey is watching this whole thing and just crying in the corner because
1: it's
0: heartbreaking, really. everyone trying to cover up the the pain. Yeah. And then we see Josie still sitting in the dark, smoking. And then we go to the Palmer house, and I really like the way the clock is ticking in this scene.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Because it feels like being at my grandmother's house, like, staying overnight and just hearing the clock to, tick tick, 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 all night long.
1: Yeah. yeah. It adds, like, an ominous tone to the scene just because, it's like, you know, secretive, secretive, don't want to get caught. It's,
0: like, one of those things you don't notice if your house has a ticking clock, but if you're in someone else's house with a ticking clock, you notice that.
1: <laughs> it's, like, you the know? loudest <laughs> thing.
0: Yeah. So, anyway, Maddie sneaks downstairs to call Donna she found a tape in Laura's hiding place and she's going to meet them tomorrow and they need to bring a tape recorder.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so then we go back to the great Northern Ben meets with Josie and she says that no one saw her come in and Ben told her where the fake ledger would be right? in Catherine's thing. So, um, I guess this is all like a triple cross. On Catherine?
1: Yeah. 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 I was, because I don't remember this. I I probably am not going to re- really remember anything else from this season from my first watch because so I was like, oh, what's going on here?
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: It's like a double, double cross. Josie's in on yeah, the plan. But then,
1: yeah. But then I'm I'm also like on the mindset, like, can you really trust uh, Ben Horn?
0: Yeah. Ben is definitely playing both sides. So we'll see what happens but Ben kisses her hand. Yeah. So then we're back to the Johnson house. Shelley's at home. She's got her gone with her. Leo comes home and gets some gas cans. And then Hank comes up and sucker punches him. Punches him out. Um, tells Leo to do as he's told. Yeah, because everyone in this town is bad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's a criminal.
0: Yeah, so Leo comes inside. He's like, all beat up. He's pissed off. He throws Shelly around, and she points the gun at him. And he's like, "What are you gonna do with that?" And she closes her eyes, as, as she can, <laughs> and shoots. And <laughs> he grunts. her. And runs off. We see the light swinging, and we hear this A little bit of um, yeah. We hear the music like does this crazy, scary rah, swelling thing, and it like fades into the sound of the waterfall. And it pushes into a close-up of that, which is really cool. Okay, so final scene. Cooper's coming back to his room for the night. The singing is still going on. (laughs) He, He notices that his door is ajar, and he pulls his gun. And when he opens, he tells whoever it is to turn on the light, and it's Audrey naked in his bed. And she looks like she's still crying, and she says, Don't make me leave. Please don't make me leave. And that's the end of the episode.
1: Uh, I was like, why would she leave at the door ajar? <laughs> she, especially if she's like naked in a man's bed who, in her father's hotel room, like you <laughs> <he> would think <laughs> she would be like, let me close the door.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe it was, um, she was more afraid she would get shot if she left it shut.
1: That's true. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, do you have a, a favorite moment from this episode, or did you want to tell have anything else you wanted to say about this one before we move on? Um,
1: I uh, just like when I said earlier, this is like the most like late eighties, early nineties esque episode. Uh, just like when Leo is getting like punched out, <laughs> the punching noises really caught my ear, just because <laughs> they sounded so like. <sighs> I don't know what you would describe it as, but they're like You know, they're not realistic at all. Yeah, <laughs> they're so funny to me. I kind of laugh <sighs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then just I don't know the, a lot of the music and uh, the, just like I feel like this was the most soapy Vaseline on the camera kind of episode. Just with all like the dramatic scenes. Everyone's like, yeah. Double crossing and then there's slaps and passionate embraces and
0: yeah. But it felt like a really good soap opera, you know, like not like a
1: daytime soap You're like,
0: okay, let's get through all the boring parts. I
1: was going to say, if more soap operas were like this, I would probably watch them.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, those are the parts that you watch soap operas for, all the parts that are crammed into Twin Peaks. Normally, soap operas have those parts, but there's just like about five weeks of filler in between each thing.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) People talking to each other really pointedly.
0: Yeah, when I I used to watch Days of Our Lives, and when I got to the point where I was only watching on Fridays because it was the only you could basically learn everything that had happened the previous week on the Friday <laughs> episode, I was like, I don't need to do this anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a new format for them that they should follow.
0: So, did you have a favorite moment?
1: Um, yeah, I think my favorite moment was at the, towards the end where we get that reveal of Josie meeting Ben in his office and like the lights flicker on and she's smoking a cigar. And I, what I love about Josie is like how much of like, just how much of like a boss she kind of seems like she exudes that energy with yeah. like her slick back short hair and her, like her suit. And just yeah. smoking the cigar and just like the look she gives. It was such a really good scene and really like it seems like she's pulling the strings. Yeah. And I well, really, really loved it.
0: <laughs> I would say my favorite scene is also around that same time, but more um the dancing when Leah when Lee lind is dancing with Catherine and breaking down
2: yeah. and
0: see it starting to get kind of funny, but then we shoot to Audrey and see her crying in the corner. I think that's a really great vibe. right but I just remembered yeah. something that I forgot to mention earlier which was the crow and uh-huh. owl thing
2: <laughs> right 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 right.
0: okay so my what I've gotten from the clues just from what we've watched so far owls okay. seem like from what Margaret the log lady was saying seem like they might be spies or be able to conceal the truth from things like from the log like there were too many owls I couldn't see what was happening and will be safe from the right. owls in here. But the crows were kind of almost like guiding them through the woods to where they needed to go. So maybe the crows are right. like guides and the owls are like spies of some sort.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. I was thinking, cause I was trying to figure out like what the whole point of the owls are. Cause we have that famous quote where, the owls are not what they seem, but I was like trying to like after hearing her talk about these owls, like maybe the owls are like because there's this like supernatural element in the forest, like agents of like maybe Bob or whatever the force of evil is, and yeah, they kind of either work to conceal it or they're you know we associate owls with their eyes, how they're like so big, like
2: yeah,
1: they're like like you said the spies, yeah, and maybe the crows are more on like the log lady side and
0: yeah. Well, it's kind of funny because, I mean, just my natural inclination is to think, oh, owls are cute and they're all about wisdom. And so maybe that's why they're not what they seem is because they seem like for like they would be for the forces of good. But maybe they're really spies for
1: right.
0: the forces of evil. I don't
1: know. I was like, have you ever seen an owl when it's? get into attack mode, it is scary. So my god, I hit an (laughs) owl with my
0: car once and it was the most horrifying thing that's ever happened.
1: (laughs) They're so big, it's disgusting.
0: Yeah. Um that maybe we'll I'll save that one for another check-in episode. (laughs) It's like a crazy animal story.
1: (laughs) I I wanna hear it. Plus
0: crows are, you know, generally thought of to like represent death and maybe be, Mm -hmm. they might be considered guides to like the underworld. I'm not sure. So maybe that is in in line with their mythology.
1: Yeah. I was trying to make some sort of connection between uh, the log lady's husband being in the logging business and she has this log and she's connected spiritually to like the forest and what's going on. And I wonder if there's any sort of link where maybe the crows... Are like, a uh, maybe like just sent. Not I want to say sent by her husband, but like as like an extension of her late husband. Because uh, it seems like she to me, I would picture the log lady as like the pr- like premier force of good in this show. Uh huh. In connection to like the spiritual side of Twin Peaks, just because she seems like she's working, she's trying to work towards getting rid of the evil.
0: Yeah. I would agree. Um, I don't know if like fire might represent evil in some way because you know, her husband died in the fire. Anyway, let's definitely keep our eye on that (laughs) symbology though because that's gonna come back. Yes. Um... But luckily for us, I did my deep dive this week on the log lady.
2: (laughs) Yay!
0: (laughs) Because this is like such a good episode for her. This is the first time we really get to know anything about her. And we get a big, nice, a lot with her actually. So her name is Margaret Lanterman, but her maiden name is Colson, just like her real life counterpart, Catherine Colson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she has appeared in every iteration of the show, including season three. Oh, good. She's already a fixture in the town by the time of Laura's murder, obviously. And most residents regard her as crazy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they always call the best people crazy.
0: Yes, it's mainly due to the her habit of carrying around a small log with her everywhere.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Little did I know.
0: Yes, she claims to have a psychic connection to the log, often dispensing advice and visions of clairvoyance, which she claimed come from the log. And um, during the investigation, Cooper makes frequent use of her abilities. So this is the first one we're seeing. According to David Lynch, the log lady was an old idea of his. He had intended to do a TV series based on the character called I'll test my log with every branch of knowledge. And the idea came about while he was working with Catherine on Eraserhead. Yeah. So I guess it was always her character. It was always uh, Captain Coulson. So this episode particularly, we get a lot of her backstory about her husband was a lumberjack who died in a fire on their wedding night decades prior to the series starting. Um, There's only a little bit more that's actually revealed about her husband, but I don't want to spoil it here, so I'll just leave that Mm -hmm. as a future mystery. She gives advice throughout the series, not only to Cooper, but also Major Briggs, and it's strongly implied that she does give advice to Donna as well, and we see her give advice to Laura in Firewalk with me before Laura dies, in the book, The Secret History of Twin Peaks, it is revealed that when she was in elementary school, her and two of her peers, who we will meet, but I'm not going to mention them because we haven't met them yet, but her and two of her peers disappear into the woods during a school nature walk. And they were found a day later, having lost time and bearing strange triangular marks on their skin.
1: Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's scary.
0: The, this book also says that her husband's name was Sam, just so we know. Okay, so the character is referenced in many, many shows and other media.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Not long after the Twin Peaks premiere, she was. Oh, did you hear that?
2: Mm-mm. that
0: sounded like something crashed against my house. Okay.
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: Okay. Where was I? Um, okay. So it's not soon or not long after the um actual series premiere, a show called Northern Exposure also started. And in their first season, they referenced the log lady. There is an episode of Eerie Indiana. Did you ever watch that show? It might have been. No, I did not. I, I watched that show for a little while. It was like a Nickelodeon kids show, but it was all spooky tales. Uh oh. huh. There is a video game called Alan Wake that had the log lady. Which I uh-huh. swear I've played a game like that.
1: Yeah, I've heard of that game.
0: Yeah. There was an episode of Psych called Dual Spires, which referenced her. And we definitely should do that episode someday because I love Psych And it's a really, really Twin Peaks. Like, the whole episode is dedicated to Twin Peaks. So, it'll be a fun one.
1: Ooh, yeah.
0: There's a music video for pretty little demons i assume that's the name of the uh-huh. band in which she she actually reprised the role of the log lady
1: oh that's cool
0: yeah a video game called deadly premonition which was heavily influenced by twin peaks and i said i should try to find out with
1: <laughs> yeah i've never heard of that game when did it come and, out
0: i don't know I feel like that one was later down the list, so maybe more recently. Huh. And um, there was also a Norwegian teen drama called Skam. <laughs> S-K-A-M, that referenced her.
1: <laughs> Interesting.
0: Yeah. Okay, so for astrology, I think that she is a Capricorn sun. Because Capricorns okay. are Earth signs. She seems super grounded. She's always I mean she's always got wood in her arms. That's it's pretty grounded. Yeah. And even though she is very mystical, she seems super practical. Don't you like you know like to the point? Yeah. And she's got a gruff, no nonsense attitude. So that makes oh, me yeah. Capricorn son. I think that she's got an Aquarius rising
2: because uh-huh.
0: she's super original. Um She's got maybe she's possibly a bit of a genius and she always goes her own way.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I think that she is a Pisces moon because Pisces is the most psychic sign and she seems to be very well developed in that department. Plus I can see her having a much more emotional nature that she covers up with her isolation and brisk brisk attitude.
1: Yeah. I like that.
0: I might have been influenced by my own chart because a couple of those <laughs> might be mine, but
2: <laughs> I think
0: Capricorn Sun, Aquarius Rising, Pisces Moon. That's my theory of the case. Oh, and let me go get the cards really quick. Oh, yeah. I have Twin Peaks trading cards and Twin Peaks tarot cards.
2: <laughs>
0: I gotta make sure I get the right ones. See, here's the trading cards. Um, let's see, where are you? There she is. What does they have? What do they have to say? Now, these might have been actually commissioned by like um, I mean, I don't know how much Mark Frost had to do with these cards, but because they actually have their astrology signs on them. It says for her, Libra, no,. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, She could be a Libra rising, I suppose, instead of an Aquarius, but I think she's more of an Aquarius. Accomplishments, it says. I have been instrumental in the teaching of fire prevention and ballroom dancing. I visit the sick and the sick of heart. I am formerly, no, I am a former candy striper. I am a nature docent with the Twin Peaks Wilderness Society. Strengths, my forearms. (laughs) Weaknesses? Rugged, good-looking men and saplings. says <laughs> so she went to Evergreen State University in Washington. She likes fresh bear claws and broccoli. Reading historical novels and taking long walks in the woods. So, yeah. Hmm. Interesting little fun thing made. I love the cards, but do not necessarily agree with their conclusions.
2: <laughs> I don't think Margaret decision.
0: Lanterman actually wrote this. I think someone else did. <laughs> 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 Her log is on here too. The log. It's from a ponderosa pine, which is indigenous to the Northwest. Um, it's from a lateral branch. <laughs> it's eight to nine years old. And yeah, the the tree it came from can take 350 to 500 years to reach maturity jesus yep okay oh so um for harry potter gryffindor
1: i was gonna say ravenclaw
0: ah see i wrote this is what i wrote gryffindor but a loner who works in the library with the ravenclaws
1: (laughs) (laughs) she goes across uh house lines (laughs)
0: Yeah, you know, it's like she's a Gryffindor but she works with the Ravenclaws all the time
1: <laughs> yeah I like that yeah cause she's got like that like heroic kind of like attitude but I also was like thinking Ravenclaw because she seems to like suppress her emotions for like um more logical and like logical can be like however logic is interpreted through her like with like the mystical element mm-hmm. cause she doesn't seem to be very like emotional in a sense of like being ruled by her emotions if that makes sense yeah yeah hey, I like the Gryffindor storyline
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean she could be like um yeah I don't know yeah we can just <laughs> pretend that's
1: <laughs> that's her story
0: <laughs> I mean she'd definitely be a teacher at Hogwarts when whatever she graduated teacher librarian, oh, yeah. something she worked there
1: I was gonna say who was the um the uh, clairvoyant teacher with the glasses. Mm-hmm. I can never remember her name. The one
0: Emma Johnson played?
1: Yeah. Or Tre- McGonagall? Oh. Trelawney? Yeah. Uh, Professor Trelawney, the one that ends up, like, getting asked to leave, and then McGonagall's like, she's actually staying.
0: Oh, right, 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 You remember? Right, that? Yes. Yeah. That yeah. would be her. <laughs> I should rewatch the Harry Potter movies.
1: <laughs> I was thinking the same.
0: All right, should we do our final thoughts on the episode?
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: well, I can go first. My final thought is that I liked the episode. Same as my first thought.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I, I thought it was great. I really loved the direction. I thought Leslie Link Gladder really stood out you know, besides mm-hmm. David Lynch, I would say that she has definitely been my favorite director so far. I thought the episode, even though it wasn't like, you know, major huge things, even though th- big stuff does happen in this episode, but it um still all felt really exciting. And I really liked it.
1: Yes, I agree. I thought it was jam packed with reveals and funny moments and it was just really entertaining episode and I'm excited to see what more they're going to give us
2: yeah
0: me too okay well recommendations
1: yes do you have one
0: um i think i do but i can't remember at the moment
1: yeah. <laughs> i was like i might have to take a second because i was trying to think of it earlier and i was like what am i gonna recommend
0: okay i'm going to recommend this week a podcast it's like the one thing that i've definitely still been able to keep up with are my podcasts i still love podcasts yeah but there's this one podcast that is recently moved to exclusively spotify and i was really afraid that i was never going to listen to it again because i I mostly listen to stuff on apple Podcasts, so it's just kind of weird to i i was like i'm never going to remember to listen to it but um it has made me check my podcasting app like three times a week because it has like three episodes a week sometimes but it's called page seven wow. and okay. it's kind of a pop culture um podcast and it's these three friends and they you know it's kind of but like irreverent but it's very fun and they have like really big hearts you can tell and they're very nice but they're very funny at the same time and um yeah it's got a lot of pop culture stuff i'm usually not that into pop culture but i like a bit of gossip so it's (laughs) fun to hear them talk (laughs) about it but it's only on spotify it's called page seven and i definitely recommend it if you're
1: interested in that huh. stuff. I never heard of that one. I want to check that one out. because It's really good. I, yeah, I feel like I've been disconnected from pop culture as of late. Just not participating in it enough.
0: They always do it um, like um, a Riverdale um, uh, episode, which is kind of what made me start listening to it because I kind of hate watch Riverdale. I mean, I love it uh-huh. and hate it at the same time. <laughs> so I like to hear
2: their recaps. <laughs>
0: Are always right in line with what I'm thinking about it. So, <laughs> and then they'll do like a pop culture history. This week they did Spice Girls, and they've done like Prince oh. and all sorts of different people.
1: That's cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely gonna check that out. <sighs> well, my recommendation is also going to be a podcast. Um, I'm 99% sure I haven't recommend this one yet, but in case I have. We'll get two recommendations. Um, (laughs) It's a newer podcast on Forever Dog Network called Confronting Demons with Megan Stalter. Um, Megan Stalter is a, she's a comedian. Um, I think she started, she did some work in Chicago, but now she's in New York. And um, she's, I guess like a lot of people have described her as like alt comedy, which at this point, like. All comedy's kind of become, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but her podcast, um, I, I think it's, like, one of the most funny things I've ever listened to. She releases two episodes a week. The first one, I think, on Tuesdays is she brings on a guest, and so she starts, like, she puts on this, like, performance of a person who is, like, a mess and who is, like, just kind of selfish and just crazy and... She hosts it with her brother, who is like the grounding, like almost like normal person. Um, (laughs) And she'll bring on a guest, like a comedian who she's friends with. And the first episode will be them, her like confronting them for some reason, like they did something to her and she has to confront them. And uh, it's just like this improv podcast where they're like (laughs) arguing and saying mean things to each other. And it's so funny. And the second episode on thursday is like a conversation with them about like have they done anything where they've confronted someone about some a problem or a person recently and they kind of talk about that and joke about that but i um specifically the episode with cola scola who's also one of my favorite comedians was so outrageously funny i (laughs) luckily was alone in my apartment because i was scream laughing at it it was so funny so i would recommend that episode specifically
0: Okay, awesome. We'll have to check that one out. <laughs> if you want to contact us, you can find yes. us.
1: Our Gmail is mannersandmadness at gmail dot com. Our Twitter is at mannersmadness. Our Instagram is at mannersandmadnesspod, and our website is uh, mannersandmadness.com dot com. And you can leave us a voice message.
0: Yes. And um, I, next week we'll be doing. Northanger Abbey chapters 21 through 23 and then the, we'll be doing episode seven
2: <laughs> for well I'm
0: like I don't need to look up a, a paper for that I got it in my head <laughs> <laughs> and then we've only got two more and we'll be done with this whole section can you believe it
1: oh uh, it seems like it's fun by while also we've been doing it for so long
0: Yeah, well, it's kind of weird having started this whole thing right before this whole quarantine thing, so.
1: Right.
0: It kind of exemplified the weirdness of time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I agree.
0: Uh, Well, yeah, we definitely want to know if you're reading along the book with us, if you think that maybe we should break it up into more, more chapters in a section next time or what, but. You're probably more of a Twin Peaks person if you're listening to this episode, so we'll ask again next week. But that's all for now, so I hope you guys will join us next week.
1: Yeah, thank you for listening.
0: Thank you. Good night.